You probably think you're in complete control of your decisions and thoughts. But how often are they guided by something else? Something you don't even notice occurring deep within your mind. Here are 21 cognitive mind traps, fallacies, biases, and other phenomenon that exists within your brain. Strange things that are hardwired into all human minds. You may go through your entire life or well into adulthood completely unaware that you're carrying around these thinking errors and mental shortcuts that influence your day-to-day -day thinking. You can't turn them off or delete them from your brain, but being one of the few people that can notice when they arise in your mind and knowing the situations they're likely to act upon your decision-making is one of the first steps to becoming a more thoughtful and rational... Welcome back, you're listening to another episode of the Keep the Change podcast, and you loved the first version and episode of this, the Mind Traps version one. If you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to it. This is the part two, this has been some time in the making, a number of you have said, please, please, please do the second part. This is one of those podcasts, including the first version, where you need to go back and listen to this regularly, because you won't always see these, but... The more that you look at them, you'll start to see them play up, uh, play out in your life, mm. and you'll realize like, oh, okay, that one makes more sense now. So we're about to dig into the second part. So we effectively start at the eleventh uh, trap. So what we're going to do is we're going to play each of them, and we're going to listen. We're going to make some notes as well, just like we did in the first one, and then we'll discuss at the end. So enjoy. Thinking fast and slow. Survivorship bias. During World War II, Navy researchers conducted a study on the damage done to aircraft by enemy fire that had returned from missions. They concluded and recommended that armor needed to be added to these areas with the most damage. At first, this seems like the most reasonable course of action. We need to place more armor where the planes are getting hit the most. However, a mathematician by the name of Abraham Wald was quick to point out an error the researchers had made. They were researching data only from the planes that had survived their missions, and the bombers that had been shot down were not included at all. Wall proposed they change their initial decision and do the opposite. Armor the areas where the surviving planes had not been hit, as these were in fact the areas that were causing fatal damage to the other bomber planes that had not survived. Survivorship bias is a logical error where the data that we are presented with is representative of only a subset of the population that has already survived some kind of filtering process. More simply, we tend to focus on the things that survived the process and overlook ones that failed. People may say things like they made much stronger and more beautiful buildings in this time and age, ignoring that this is one of the only buildings to have survived for so long, and that 99% of the buildings of that time and age were probably flimsy and ugly, but are now completely invisible to us. Here is another example. You move to a new town, you see many successful restaurants in the area, and you come to the conclusion that if all these restaurants are successful, you could very well do the same. But what is invisible to you are all the restaurants that failed in the years prior. When you are only focusing on the winners, survivorship bias causes you to underestimate the challenge and overestimate your chances of success. Everywhere you look, there are successful actors and actresses. In reality, your chances are a fraction above zero of becoming successful. But no one is interested in all the failures, so the burial ground of all the failures is largely invisible to you. Society and the media only focuses on the winners. Try googling actors that never made it, or people who failed in life after dropping out of college, and you won't have much luck finding anything useful. For every rock star, there are thousands of people in the cemetery of failure who never made it. For every startup business, there are thousands of failed startups. Everyone should chase their dreams, but don't let survivorship bias trick you into thinking the challenge is easier than it seems. Be careful of your overly optimistic beliefs that are caused by invisible failures. Well, there we go. Invisible failures. So good, eh? Survivorship bias. That is such a... Fuck, you see that everywhere, eh, when you start thinking about it. Yeah, it's almost like being overly optimistic as well. Where I can't remember if one of them was like optimism bias, but yeah, know, often we will... I'll hear from people wanting to start a business. I don't do much in that space anymore. I had to get out of it because it was mm. just too draining where it's so hard hearing from someone that does that. They're like, I'm going to start a cafe. And you're kind of like, why? And they're like, oh, because such and such is doing this and it's working real well. Even I'm going to start doing social media. Mm. Oh, how come? Well, I saw this one video from blah, 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 and they do this and they got two leads from it. And I'm like, yeah, but look, they've got 800 fucking videos before that that failed. Yeah, we see it in the podcast starting thing, right? Yeah. Like all the time. Yeah, there's Joe Rogan and then there's everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's crazy, man, when you start thinking about it. That that small subset of data that you take from is not always a representation of the outcome. <laughs> yeah. You know? I see we see it all the time. Like whenever there's like um like politicians use it mean. Like they're real good at like using mm. certain parts of something to present it. And I'm quite jealous of it, like being able to do that and sleep at night but yeah it's a <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah it's a it's definitely a thing eh? i'm just trying to think of examples that happened to me and then you find out later you're like ah oh, fuck yeah it's kind of like shiny object syndrome you know you're like wow the the mortgage broking industry i want to go work with mikey the mortgage broke industry fuck they make good money yeah yeah but only like one percent of them do and that's exactly on that podcast we did talking about the 
how your income works, I, I said, you said people fail, and I said, you know, how come, what is it? Because I sort of, I get this now, I often explore why things don't work, mm. and I'm trying to figure out, okay, what's going on there? And that's probably through seeing a lot of failure through business and stuff, and yeah. you start to, you start to get more accepting of, you want to know the failure details, you're like, give me that data, because mm. that's going to help me avoid that. And you can then get both. You can ask the people who have done things and done it really well, but then the people yeah. who may not have. Yeah. Yeah. And the failure data is way harder to find mm. because people don't want to share their failures. Um, and they don't, because of that, they don't get recorded and stuff. But you can find every fucking thing that Elon Musk has ever sold yeah. for billions of dollars. You know, so. The plain example from the war is so interesting, too, eh? You know, like actually strengthening up the. Yeah. 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 And often we talk to clients about spray the weed in your business, like actually fix the fucking problem, mm. not the things on the outer that you're like, oh, just tinker with those a little bit. Yep. You know, those just little, little problems. Like, you no, fix up front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not sort more the, clients. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like change something yep. and address it. Yeah, really, really good one. Uh, you just mentioned podcast before. I saw this during the week, and I think it's just something worth noting for people who do love podcasts. I saw that. Uh, diary of a CEO have gone past 3 million subscribers on YouTube in a very short amount of time one of the top podcasts in the world he is exceptional to listen to though eh mm. and you like, can like I've been around and seen enough of it now and not studied but researched a bit of like how content game works and stuff to know that he is fucking prepped yeah, and he is putting time and serious effort into that. And then you told me about the resources. Yes. Now yeah. I'm fairly certain that I read that the team for the podcast, the podcast alone, is bigger than thirty people, or is thirty people. Now, just for some context, when you think, "Oh, I'm going to start a podcast," and you look at that and you think, "I could do the similar thing," only three percent of businesses in New Zealand have more than twenty staff. Mm. So that podcast is bigger in terms of headcount than 97% of businesses in New Zealand. Mm. So imagine what that looks like behind the scenes. Imagine how much shit is getting done every single hour of the day, and then you look at that podcast and you think, that's massively successful, or Joe Rogan, I just need to do the same thing, and mm. it's just me. Well, fuck. <laughs> you know, Go and have a look at the true data, and the data tells you that most podcasts never make it past episode 17 to 21 whatever it is yeah. these days and five percent of them are active and that's about it so you're just looking at the data that is highly successful thinking well it doesn't look that hard i could do that but i'm pretty sure the truth is with the diary of a ceo for instance is that there are three sets and they're all identical in different parts of the world so that they can film from either of those and the viewer thinks that it's the same studio so you get that amazing experience of wow also do you know how he made his money Stephen? Uh, I've made selling marketing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he's a marketer, but he wanted to get more for his dollar, right? So this is how I know that this guy is actually onto it, you know. It's not just, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's a G. Um, I heard him explaining it, and he said he would go to companies that were going to IPO. So Facebook wants to go live, whatever, and, and go oh, into the sheer market. Yeah. So he would sell his marketing skills to those people for stock. Nice. Yeah. So he would say, we'll do this big campaign for you. We'll do the promotion for it. We'll do this. We'll do that. You give me X, X amount of stock and we'll do it. And it's incentivized for me to do a good job for you because I'd like the stock price to go up if I do sell it. Yeah. And he just slayed it, man. Wow. Very Genius smart. A. Take a piece of the pie. Yeah. Okay. The next one. Let's roll. Self-serving bias and fundamental attribution error. You received an A on the test due to your hard work. However, you failed a test because the teacher is unfair and doesn't like you. For the CEO, all the great things that happened to the company that year were a direct result of his or her brilliant decisions. If the company has a bad year, the economy, interest rates, and government policies are to blame. According to the self-serving bias, our failures are due to external forces, but our successes are the result of our internal actions. For most people, the natural reaction to a negative outcome is to find an excuse for it and to blame others. To combat this, the first step is to simply become aware of this bias, try to practice humility, and always seek accountability and feedback on your strengths and weaknesses from others. Self-serving bias is also closely linked to fundamental attribution error. 
We judge others' behaviors on their personality or fundamental character, but we attribute our own behaviors to situational factors. If Simon is late to work, it's because he's a lazy person and doesn't take his job seriously. If you're late to work, however, it's the traffic and the weather's fault. Try to catch yourself in situations where you're judging someone else on their personality in a way that you would blame external factors in the same scenario. Cool, couple of good ones there, right? <laughs> That's a good EA. I have this, this is like uh, the saying for in the mortgage game, you can't complain about the economy until you've got 100% market share. Say that again. You can't complain about. You don't oh. have the right to complain about the economy. Wow. Unless you have a hundred percent market share. Yeah. Basically, it's like you don't have any excuse. Have you written every mortgage in the country this month? Mm. No. There were there were still billions of mortgages <laughs> that were written last month. Yeah, what was yeah. your slice? Yeah, yeah. So like, yeah, it's a it's a real true one. A eh? we love naturally. I th- I don't know why, but naturally, even when we we're little kids, it's like. You know, oh nah, my sister did it or whatever. Yep. Like you're trying to move it, move off the blame, or you know, yeah. instead of taking it on the shoulders yourself, mm. taking responsibility and moving on. Yeah. yeah, it's an interesting one. Self-serving bias. Yeah, blame excuse deny. We talk about it all the time. It's yeah. the classic default mechanism. But then also the take the credit if it's on the upside. Yeah, you know, like that's uh, can't have it both ways, eh? You'll actually get more of the upside if you take responsibility for the downside. I think that's why people really appreciate people who do well and they say that there's an element of luck to that because people go like, oh, okay, cool. They can acknowledge that it's not just all them mm. and they like a bit of that. And, you know, you, you you've, there's always a bit of luck in everything, let's say, but, you know, you can create it by doing... Warren Buffett the, says it, man. Yeah, the more you when create You ask it, him, he's like, what's the biggest, you know, thing for your success? And he's like, probably luck timing. Like, I lived through the period of the... You know, the yep. greatest expansion of American wealth in history. Yeah. And I just was the one that played it right, you know. Do you think that that could apply to the housing market? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll tell you a story from this week that's quite funny. And, you know, I'm massive on trying to like, ownership, accountability, responsibility. Yep. And not going blame, excuse tonight. I caught myself this week in the gym and I had this sort of area to myself and this older couple train with this PT and this PT of all places decides to plonk them right next to me and I'm like oh, for fuck's sake like there's six other areas that you could have done this and yeah. I just was just went into being a negative asshole yeah. basically and so I was kind of doing these reps with like a bit of anger in me and I have to move the um, the the machine that I'm using from basically bicep curls to tricep dips so I go from tricep dips and I'm pulling it down and my brain is distracted by like, you're fucking right there, man. Like, get out of the fucking big dog's trying to work in here, you know? <laughs> and and then I have to move it down to, to do biceps next. And so I drop the thing and this bar, like I get it towards the bottom and then go to basically like slot it in and I drop it and the bar lands on my toe. Oh, karma. Fucking bingo. That's exactly <laughs> where my brain went. And my brain was like, you're being a fucking asshole to that guy. Pull your fucking head in. Yeah, you, de- you deserve that. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, wow, that's so cool that my brain goes that way now rather than if they didn't, like, I would have just made it uh, their their fault. Yeah, it would have yeah, been yeah. their fault, like an older version of me. And exactly what I thought. I was like, that's calm. And I walked away laughing to myself being like, They've got no idea what's going on. Nah. And it goes back to that thing Just about... Psycho Luke in his own head again. <laughs> exactly. You know? And so the more you think about other people, like you're just hurting yourself. Mm. And the more you get wound up, they've got no idea. Yeah. Old mate's probably thinking like, oh yeah, he gets to train next to us. Yeah. You know? And I'm thinking... And just getting angry about nothing, adding no value to my life, to no, not to them, not to the world... And then the world is just like, bang, this on your toe, you dickhead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get fucking back into line. You know that you don't <laughs> live down there. You don't live in anger and blame, excuse, deny. Let's go, go. Uh, the next one. Oh, that was two, actually, because there was a second one, but they uh, related to each other. So this next one, I think, will be the 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th. Hindsight bias. You have probably encountered people who are constantly saying, I knew that was going to happen. I knew that stock was going to fall. I knew she was going to lose the election. I knew Jack and Mary were going to break up. They are always experts after the event has occurred. This is hindsight bias, otherwise known as the I told you so phenomenon. When we look at past events, everything seems clear and inevitable. Imagine you're a computer with a virus, the hindsight bias, that causes you to write over past information. As a result of this virus, you are unable to reconstruct previous states of knowledge. Every time your operating system updates to a new version of life, you lose a lot of your ability to recall in memory what you believed in the past. We think our memories are clear, but in reality we are poor at remembering the past accurately. 
The hindsight bias is a memory distorter. Memories of what you actually said or believed before the event are distorted to try and make your past opinions or beliefs more in line with what actually transpired. Here's an example. This is what you actually believed before an election. The results you observed get updated in your brain. The virus gets to work, and now when you go back to that memory, it has been distorted. And the memory distortion always distorts in your favor. This causes people to misremember things they said, their past opinions, and makes people overconfident in explaining all the reasons why something happened. The events leading up to World War II at the time on the ground probably looked something like this. But after the fact, with hindsight, people put it all into a neat sequence of events that people should have seen coming. Hindsight bias is especially harmful to decision makers, doctors, coaches, CEOs, and financial advisors. Because onlookers don't judge the person on the soundness of their decision making, but on whether the outcome was good or bad. We blame good decision making that led to a bad result, but we praise bad decision making that led to a good result. It is easy for us to blame when we know all the facts of what transpired. We oversimplify the past when at the time there was doubt, uncertainty, or complexity. People tend to get down on themselves saying things like, how could I be so stupid? I should have seen this coming. When actually they made sound judgments with the information that was available to them at the time. Don't worry, Mel. The mistake seems obvious now, but it is just hindsight. You could not have known in advance. See? I told you this exact thing was going to happen. Are you sure? I remember you saying something quite different. Wow, I feel like we did a podcast recently about you brought your house now, living it. <laughs> I'm just thinking the same thing. <laughs> I was thinking like COVID response in there as yeah, well. that's exactly know? what I was thinking. I was thinking buying in 2021 and being upset with it now. Adrian lowering the rates too much and giving out too much money. Yeah. Bitcoin going up. Yeah. Bitcoin going down. Crazy, eh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, hindsight bias is uh it's so hard to remove that from your from your brain. I think the main thing Yeah, I don't know. Like you, you can you can actually say I told you so with your August video saying inflation's coming, you're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> August twenty twenty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, there's, but also when you get the chance to say, I told you so, you don't want to do that. No. You just, you, then you just look like an asshole as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you sound shit. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not nice because, yeah. People are still hurt. Yeah, it doesn't change that fact, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. I'm just, we, like, I, I feel like that sometimes when I criticize, like, the Reserve Bank and for, not raising rates at like the end of 2020 and stuff like that and could have prevented quite a lot of what we're in now I reckon but the reality is like when you ask them about it they're like we we still had the governments telling us that we might lock the fucking country down again yeah and it's like ah good point didn't think of that yeah Yeah. it's like yeah hindsight that's hindsight right like hindsight but it didn't happen and you're like yeah but we didn't know that at the time yeah yeah (laughs) so like we had to do this path of least regrets thing so but yeah, man, crazy. It's a it's a crazy one. Um, we do it to ourselves as well all the time. Yeah, I I love the bit in here. I learned this ages ago working through a course about how you over like you over index your memory, but your memory is actually pretty shit. Mm. And when I sat down and thought about that, I just it just smacked me in the face because I thought, wow, I, you know, tell me what you had for lunch last Wednesday. Absolutely no idea. But if you need to make a big decision you'll think that you've got all the shit stored up in your memory that's going to help you. Yeah. But, like, unless you've got it... Sometimes I'll go back and read notes and stuff from a book, and I'm like, oh, fuck, I'd completely forgotten about that, but that seems to actually be the main point of the book. Yeah, I'm yeah. glad I wrote that down, because I didn't see that at the time, or didn't even think about that. Now that's really important. Yeah, if I like, if I go back and look at some of my notes and stuff when I was setting up from years ago, and... They're quite different to how I think I was thinking at the time, mm. you know. And you're like, ah, oh, fuck, that's interesting. Completely different planet. Yeah, <laughs> my memory is telling me this, but this is actually what was being put on paper at the time. It's undeniable. I love the, uh, the sport ones. Usually good too. Of the I told you so, and it's usually after a World Cup or yeah. after the All Blacks didn't beat somebody or after the Warriors didn't make the top eight again. Not this year, yeah. boy. <laughs> um, something like that, and it's like, oh, I fucking told you so. Or, yeah. And you're like, yeah, okay. But I think that one's pretty self That's going to be me with electric cars. Oh, yeah, We're yeah. We're all going to rock up in like V8s and turbos and shit in 2040. With I'll your electric be, car now, motherfuckers. Yeah, I told a, you so. I'll be, can you tow me, Mikey? Yeah. <laughs> can, you t- can you tow me to home and I can use my electric scooter to go up to the Tesla store? <laughs> well, this is an ad. We don't need the ad. Do you not have premium? What a loser. Nah, they've inserted an ad in there. Oh, nice. Hey, there you go, people. Availability bias. Uh, there's, there's one of the other ones. Uh, you're a loser if you don't have YouTube <laughs> premium. Cheers, Mikey. <laughs> well, we better go back to that. What was this next one? Availability bias. Johannesburg is safe. I know a guy who lives there and he's never had any problems with crime. 
Smoking isn't so bad. My uncle has smoked for 50 years and he's still alive. Humans are notoriously poor at thinking statistically, even when they are educated. We create a picture of the world using the examples that most easily come to mind. This is illogical, of course, and not in line with reality. We use statements like these to try and prove something, but they actually prove nothing at all. When we speak like this, we succumb to the availability bias. Plane crashes on the news are easy to recall. Safe flights are hard to recall. The availability bias can lead us to an irrational fear of flying. The shark attack story on the news last week, easy to recall. Safe swims at the ocean are hard to recall. The availability bias can lead us to have an irrational fear of being attacked by a shark. We estimate the likelihood of something happening by the information most readily available in our memory. Here is all the information. And here is the information most available to us, which could be something we saw recently, something in the news, or something extreme. Here is an example. Your chances of getting attacked by a shark in Australia are around 1 in 1 million. And let's imagine this is your perceived risk to that happening. You see a news story about a shark attack somewhere in Australia that you've never heard of. You hear a story about a shark attack in the same state that you live in. A friend of a cousin tells you his uncle was attacked by a shark just last week. Someone in your family was attacked by a shark yesterday. The closer you are in proximity to the available information, the higher you perceive the risk. The facts and statistics have remained the same, but the information most available to us changes how we make decisions. With availability bias, we go through life with an inaccurate risk map in our heads. We overestimate the chances of an airplane crash, a car accident, or a terrorist attack, and we underestimate the chances of dying from cancer or diabetes. Wow, that's, uh, yeah. That so true, eh? Hundred percent. Every time I go swimming, I can't help but be like, "Fuck stingray shark!" <laughs> I hate it. I'm like, <laughs> "Fuck really?" Off. Yeah, not every you time. Know, even if like, they swim up to you, they probably won't at you. Well, I look at one, one in a million. And not taking that risk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what an idiot! Eh? Right. Oh, oh man, that's so funny. Yeah, and I'm like, "Where's that come from?" I don't even watch like Shark Week and shit. Jaws. Yeah, that's interesting, eh? Yeah. Once you've been around sharks a while, you sort of get used to them, like. I wouldn't jump into them in certain environments. Yeah, well, I didn't realise we had fucking Kelly Tarleton on the podcast today, but there you go, team. <laughs> Just jump in with the sharks. Let us know how you go. Send all complaints to bloody uh, Mike here, guardiansmith.co.nz. <laughs> but yeah, it's an interesting one, eh? Like the way that statistics don't change, but our feeling towards something will. Yeah. That's crazy, eh, to think of it like that. And it's so true. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, we'll see bad things happen too and then it's like, oh, that street's not safe or whatever and you're like, okay, there was one mm. you know, data point or whatever and because it's close, you're, you're you're freaking out about it but the, the likelihood of it happening again uh, yeah. is... Life's a weird balance eh, of like... You can't live in fear. No, nah, you can't live in fear but then you've also got to like, you know, like if you think you're going to get shot going down there, then don't go down there. Mm. Or especially at that time. Like yeah. what are the data points... If you believe that that's the outcome, then don't put yourself... If it happens more at 2am, then just make sure you're not there at 2am sort of thing. You yeah, know? yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah that's, that's what I was trying to say. Yeah, yeah good stuff. Availability Cascade. A local news story about a razor blade found in candy leads to mothers in the local community becoming worried, which leads to a news story about the mothers who are worried, which leads to a national story, which then leads to parents panicking and inspecting their children's candy, which eventually leads to homemade candy and cakes not being given to trick-or-treaters nationwide. This is an availability cascade, a self-sustaining chain of events, which may start from media reports of a relatively minor event and lead up to mainstream public panic and or large-scale government intervention. People begin to adopt the belief not because it's true or prevalent, but because it's popular. Put more simply, an availability cascade is an enormous overreaction to a minor problem. Whenever we encounter minor risks, we either ignore them completely or completely over-exaggerate them with nothing in between. A parent may know of this feeling waiting up at night for their teenage child to come home. They know that there is a 99% chance that everything is fine as usual, but having even a small thought that something may be wrong available in your mind sets off a self-sustaining chain of thoughts that grows into more thoughts about something disastrous having happened, which can eventually lead to panic and needing to immediately make contact and make sure that their child is okay. When you're watching the news, is it an objective piece of journalism or just an availability cascade? This is just an availability cascade, a non-event that is being inflated by the media until it fills our screens and there's public outcry. Oh, well, that sounds like just... COVID and climate change. We... <laughs> that just kind of sums up the world we live in these days. It does. Everything turns into a massive deal. Yeah. I was just thinking about those kids that were on TV crying about climate change, how they're going to die in five years. Like, that's what's happened, you know? Poor bastards. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sad. And they're just believing the availability cascade. There's just, yeah, probably so many examples of that and probably magnified by social media where, you know, even on the parent example year, there they can jump into the, mm. um, you know, they can jump into the Facebook group with all the other mums. and We are, we massive, as humans, we massively like... Uh, lose the ability to think rationally once they're, once there's like marketing and pushing and like yeah. almost propaganda involved, eh? Yeah, fear. <clears throat> yeah, man, it's crazy, eh? Like, I still think back to that policeman trying to arrest me in lockdown, eh? Yeah, and think, fuck, that was a weird time to be alive. Like, yeah, like I almost believed that he was right after a while of arguing with him. 
And now I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> that was not right. Shout but to the like, police people who listen. <laughs> but yeah, that's crazy, eh? To think how far you go one way for something. Mm. Mm. I think parents can be psychos too. Like I often notice when they are crossing the road with their children and they're like holding their hand and they might, like they just stare at you. They're like, we're standing in the middle of the road putting my children at risk and my own life and they're staring at you in a car on the road designed for the car like what the fuck are you doing driving towards me and my child and like what is wrong with you like you know but have you felt that before where yeah, you I rev up my motor mates oh wow <laughs> nah, nah. Yeah. when I used to have the Merc because obviously it was loud yeah I think people then think like Fuck danger, but it's just going the same speed as the Tesla yeah, behind yeah, yeah, yeah. you. But they have this, and they're like, they'll slow down. Yeah, and like, yeah. mate, you've got your fucking kid in the middle of the road. If you're so scared of risk, <laughs> I don't know. Like, solve that yourself. But it's just because um, we're a bunch of pussies these days. But I don't think that's got anything to do with availability. Nah, we're going really <laughs> tangented off here. <laughs> Shout out to the parents. But you know. that is the that is like the. You know, the stuff, it's weird what stuff blows up in media. Yeah, I guess where I was going with that is you try and you're, you become protective, right? So mm. then, yeah, if there is a razor blade in some food product, you'd be like, never again am I having. You know, sometimes I see Pam's berries have got, oh, I shouldn't say this because it could be done for like defamation or something, but there's like this berry's got um, meningococcal risk or something or hepatitis. Yeah. And I'm like, holy fuck, that's major. I'm like, what the hell? Like, what's, I don't know if I'll ever get those berries again. Yeah, but like companies have to pander to it too. Like, mm. like I don't know which company it was, but I do remember a razor blade and a strawberry or something years ago. So they had to recall every fucking strawberry they put out around the whole country or something. Yeah, to try and figure out you how know, it happened. It's like, fuck, there was only one in the pack and there was a thousand packs on the shelf. Yeah. But we're going to recall 100,000. It's like, fuck me. Yeah, it just reminds me of the time I found a nail in my pie, like a, a human nail. Like it was either a toe or a finger because it was fucking massive. Just chuck it out and keep it in the pie. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Sunk cost fallacy. You go to the cinema with your friend. After 25 minutes, you both realize the movie is awful. You turn to your friend and say, this is terrible, let's get out of here. He replies, yeah, it is, but we spent a lot on these tickets. We can't just leave now. This is the sunk cost fallacy. You spent the money either way, if you stay or you go. Another example, maybe you have a girlfriend that is continually unfaithful, but you keep forgiving and accepting her back. You may say things to yourself like, I've invested so much time, energy, and love into this woman, I can't just give up on her now. If you catch yourself saying things like, I've come so far, or I've spent so much on this stock, I can't sell it now, when the price is falling, you are probably encountering the sunk cost fallacy. The sunk cost fallacy can especially plague investors' decision-making in the stock market. To be more rational, look at the current status and forecast of the stock or relationship, and don't put too much weight into the past investments of money, time, energy, or love. You got to know when to hold them. Yeah. <laughs> know when to fold them. That's that, the key, eh? That needs an entire podcast, that I think. Yeah, eh? I think we can run one on that, knowing when to fold, knowing when to get out. Yeah, that's so good. That's That exact example of like going to a movie when you start watching it, or especially when you're like halfway through and you're like, but I want to know what happens. It's I like, walked out of a Lady Gaga concert once. Did you? Yeah, okay. did like two or three songs. I was like, fuck this, I'm out. Yeah, is that because you were questioning why you were there? Or? <laughs> <laughs> nah, because I used to love Lady Gaga, man. Ma, but ma, like, ma, ma. Sorry. Yeah, the sound quality was shit, and I was like, oh, fuck, it doesn't sound like on the CDs, and I was just yeah. like, there's no point being here. Yeah. A bunch of 12-year-old girls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there weren't the, the threats that you were getting. Through. Like, why are you standing next to my daughter? But I, they definitely could have had, like, the, man, I spent 150 bucks on this. I should just stay anyway and take the punishment. But it's yeah. like, nah. nah. Uh, I see this all the time in, mm. in business and just the paths that people go to. I'm like, oh, but, but, but we've done so much of this. And you're like, yeah, but it's just going to, when you finally get to the outcome, which is the same, but you get to it, but you could have just decided now, you're going to realize that you've wasted all that time in the middle. Mm. And it's tough, man, because... Cutting cutting losses. Yeah, man, cutting losses is a, is a hard yeah. skill to master. I think partly as well because you have to admit that you're wrong. So you have to admit that you should Yeah, well, you know, it fires emotions, right? You're like, oh, man, that means I did all of this time and work and effort for nothing. And it's worse too if you go to a movie and your partner, say you go or with a mate and they're like, oh, I don't know, I heard it's shit. And they've already got a preconceived idea. And then it is shit and you're sitting there mm. being like, fuck. Well, yeah. I don't want to admit that I was wrong as well. And then I forced us to spend this money. But you should. You should just bounce out of there and just go do doughies in the car park yeah. or something. <laughs> <laughs> Way more fun. Yeah. yeah. I mean, go to the skate bowl or something. I'm not sure what the kids are doing these days. The framing effect. 
Which meat would you like to buy? 99% fat free or 1% fat? Most people when asked go for option A, even though they're exactly the same. How about now? 98% fat free or 1% fat? Most people still go for option A. This is the framing effect. We often draw different conclusions from the same information depending on how it's presented. Be on the lookout for how different news outlets frame their headlines and stories and how companies frame their offers. Here we have a small size popcorn for $3 and a large for $7. Which would you choose? In this case, a higher percentage are inclined to go for the cheaper alternative. Now let me introduce a third option, a medium size for $6.50. Studies show that when given these three options, a much higher percentage will choose the large because they see this as the most valuable option. The small and the large prices are exactly the same, but the decoy changes your perception and influences your decision-making towards the more expensive option. When The Economist magazine gave readers these two options, they were quite disappointed with the results. Most opted for the cheaper option. When they introduced a third decoy option, they skyrocketed their sales by 43%. The offer was exactly the same, but the print and web offer now appeared much more valuable. The bills are overdue. Honey, would you mind paying the bills? It's not what you say, but how you frame it. Would you like to pay by cash or credit card? If the sign showed a cash discount of 5%, people wouldn't feel that bad about missing out on the discount for the convenience of using their credit card. If, however, the sign showed a credit card surcharge of 5%, people would be inclined to avoid the fee. On closer inspection, though, they're exactly the same thing. There is a 90% chance you will survive this operation. There is a 10% chance you will die from this operation. Same outcome, different frames. The words we use affect the emotions we have towards making certain decisions. Oh, that's so good, eh? One of the comments here is kind of interesting that a lot of these mind traps are usually used against us to sell us something. Yeah, 100%. I was just thinking, this is price anchoring 101 right here. Yeah. Like, tricking people into taking something more than they need is actually not that hard if you understand that stuff that she's just showing you, you know? Um, Like you said, like, the popcorn thing's a great idea. If you have a $10 popcorn and a $1 popcorn for large and small, like... It's going to be a hard sell on the $10 popcorn. But then if you have a medium popcorn at $6.50, like all of a sudden you start seeing the large one as more valuable. Yeah. It's quite interesting, eh? It's a, it's a funny thing how our psychology works. and Genius. Yeah, it's, it's smart, man. I, I notice it working on me. I feel like because I've been learning about this kind of thing and researching it, I care less about it now and we'll just more likely to buy just what I want. Yeah. Not not like, oh, the large coffee is, you know, just that extra 50 cents instead of the other gap, which is a dollar to the small one. I'll just be like, nah, I just want a fucking medium coffee. Now, I'm going to give you a very recent example that I screen recorded. Not because I knew we were doing this, but now I think this is actually very applicable. Now, I need to tell you, you're not allowed to give us all your opinions yep. about this situation. Yep. We just have to discuss the framing effect. And you're not allowed to lose your shit, okay? But here is an example, because they said in this, the media presenting something in a certain way. Now, I'm just going to lay out the parameters. We have a climate crisis in the world, Mm. and we need to move to more renewable energy. Now, you're not allowed as a listener, or you, Mikey, across from me, to disagree with this. I'm just telling you what the situation is, right? So then what we need to do is we need to invest more money into renewable energy. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to play you this. Yep. I'm going to play you this because I thought, did I hear that right? Now, electricity. electricity generation. So we have a target of 100% renewable electricity. So here we go. This is the main story on the news. Electricity generation. Currently, 87% of our electricity is renewable. To reach the new target, American firm BlackRock is investing $2 billion in a new fund to help fast track green energy options like solar and wind power and battery storage. It's hoped Kiwi businesses will also jump on board and develop clean technology, which would also create more highly skilled jobs here. But critics are. I'm just going to play that again. So, just exactly what he says electricity is renewable. To reach the new target, to reach the new target, American. Confirm BlackRock is investing $2 billion in a new fund to help fast track. American firm BlackRock is investing $2 billion into a new fund. Yeah. So I listen to that, and that's the only research I do. And I hear, fuck, these dudes BlackRock are tipping $2 billion into this fund to invest into renewable electricity. Outstanding. (laughs) That's going to help us solve the problems that we have. And, (laughs) wow, they've got $2 billion. That's very nice of them. (laughs) However, I look at another piece of information about this and it turns out they are not investing two billion dollars no they do not not, have i'm not allowed to say anything am i (laughs) they do not have two billion dollars to invest they are collecting two billion dollars to facilitate a two billion dollar raise and the fund will then be invested into renewable energy now that's very different to 
American firm BlackRock are investing $2 billion yeah. into a fund, isn't it? Yeah, massively. An example of the framing effect, Mikey. <laughs> it is. It's crazy, eh? We get, like, man, it's, that's why I struggle to watch the news, because it's all fucking bullshit. Mm. Like, it's so bad once you start seeing this stuff, you can't unsee it. No. And it's just lights. Yeah. So yeah. shout out to BlackRock for bringing $2 billion down down mm. under it in Kiwi, Kiwi land and helping us sort out... There's the another one of those where... Like afterwards, because there was a bit of outcry around this. Yeah, well, it didn't like I'm not a genius, and I picked up on it, and I saw some geniuses go, "What the fuck?" And yeah, what's yeah. happening? So sorry. And then the other thing was, is that um, two billion sounds like a lot, and they're buying. There was a lot of people saying they're buying the country, and then there was another clip that I saw that they price anchored, and they said it's two billion, but the problem to be solved is going to be well over fifty. Yeah, I did see yeah. that. Too. Yeah, some massive amount. <laughs> yeah. yeah, fuck's sake. Well, while you're at it, BlackRock, why don't you just set up an infrastructure fund? Because don't we have all these roads and all these other things that we're now going to get taxed to do? Yeah, and then in the upcoming election, by increasing taxes on petrol and things to build these things we need to build, why don't we just get BlackRock to do them if they've got all this cash? But anyway, let's get into the next one. <laughs> the clustering illusion. Have you ever seen faces in the clouds, Jesus on toast, or faces on the rock formations of Mars? The human brain is always seeking patterns and rules in everything. For the most part, the clustering illusion is harmless, but it does have some real-world implications. Investors who rely on technical analysis of charts have an uncanny ability to derive all kinds of patterns and predictions from the data. They often sense patterns and make risky investments where none ever existed. Take a moment to observe this string of X's and O's. Is the sequence random or planned? Even though they are completely random, people when asked will often come up with all sorts of laws or rules to explain the patterns of the letters. To overcome your sensitivity to pattern recognition, try to regain your skepticism. If you find a pattern, ask yourself if it is more likely to be pure chance or am I falling for the clustering illusion? Man, that's so true. Like, because I like economics, I have to talk my brain out of this all the time when I'm comparing, like, different economic periods to each other and always looking for correlation and trends and... Like, no period is actually ever the same. No, there's always it, a variable that would differ. Yeah, and, like, how can you compare, like, like today, for example, to 1929, when, like, half the fucking world population was still on a horse? <laughs> you know? But I will, but I will. <laughs> I know, but, but you'll I go to the steer market, share market, and you'll be like, Black Friday's coming. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, mate. it's it's so true, man. Like, we constantly look for trends that are to... El- create illusions for ourselves to make us believe that we've got a reason to that this is going to happen sometimes i watch stock traders in america make youtube videos explaining charts Mm. and i'm like i know you just drew a line from there to there but like i really don't get it why didn't you just draw the line from there to there and it would have been a completely different story and you'd be talking about something different i'm like (laughs) what am i missing like this is and then six months later i'll be like oh that's the person that said that this was going to happen and then it's like, well, if we look at the charts, then we go, I'm like, <laughs> fuck, I need to get that video from six months ago to be like, how did you use the charts last time to then predict what didn't happen to now use the charts again to predict what may not happen again? <laughs> but if it does happen, you're going to say that it was the charts. I'm like, this is too confusing. Yeah. But I actually had this conversation with Taz the other night. I was like, when you shut your eyes, what do you see? And she's like, a gorilla or something. I'm like, what? I'm like, really? <laughs> she's like, no, I thought I just thought you wanted me to make something up. I'm like, no, like, what do you actually see? Because sometimes I'm like, oh, can I see like a, a person's face or something? But other like times actually just, see. Yeah, but other times it's just like white lights or like just nothing. Yeah. I'm like, I don't even know how that happens. But then you might start to see a shape yeah. and you're like, it's a face. Yeah, everyone can can uh, remember when they're kids and they see like shapes in the clouds and look, there's yeah. a dragon or, yeah, you know, like that's just what happens and it's just a fucking cloud. <laughs> I saw something on uh, the internet the other day, which means it must be true, <laughs> that someone was walking through a hospital and I think like when it gets steamy at night or something, they can see fucking some, I don't know, the ghost or someone from the Bible or something in the windows. Oh, and they're yeah. like, wow, well, look how spooky this is. And I'm like, what the hell? And then I always find the comments interesting to find out the people that are trying to explain why why, why it's actually happening. <laughs> You know, be like, the actual science behind yeah. it. Yeah, I'm like, oh well, okay. And then sometimes uh, I'm like, man, I didn't want to know the science. I yeah. wanted to have the imagination or yeah, the magic. The clustering illusion is real, people. Yeah. Exponential growth. If you fold a piece of paper in half and then in half again and continue to do that 50 times, how thick would it be after 50 folds? If you guess a few inches thick, you would be slightly off, because the paper would be so thick it could nearly reach the sun. Linear growth is intuitive to us. Exponential growth, however, is incomprehensible to us. 
But why is that so? Simply put, it wasn't needed before. Our ancestors mainly had linear experiences. Let's take a look at this hypothetical country. The inflation rate of this country is 5%. Intuitively, if we're being honest, we have no real idea what that even means. Only 5%, some people may remark. That isn't so bad. If instead I told you in 14 years your money will be worth half what it is today, you can understand that without much thought, and it may actually give you some reason to worry. The greatest shortcoming of the human race is our inability to understand the exponential function. Al Bartlett. The power of compounding is the most powerful force in the universe. Albert Einstein. To illustrate the power of exponential growth, if we place one grain of rice on the first square of this chessboard, two grains on the second square, four grains on the third square, and so on, doubling the number of grains on each subsequent square, how many grains of rice would we need to accomplish this task? In the short term, exponential growth isn't that impressive, but the growth that occurs at a faster and faster rate over a long term is truly amazing and can quickly become astronomical and incomprehensible. To complete the task, you would need 18 quintillion grains of rice, which is a number that we can't even begin to wrap our heads around, and illustrates how quickly a small amount of something can grow when it is subject to the power of exponential growth. When thinking about exponential growth, if you want to approximate the time it would take any process to double, or you need a way to describe something that is more intuitive, use the rule of 70. 10% returns on investment? Your money will be worth double that in approximately 7 years. 8% inflation? Your money is worth half what it is today in approximately 8.7 years. If a country has a 5% population growth, the country will have double the population in approximately 14 years. Of course, these growth rates would need to remain constant, and the world is full of uncertainties and complexities. However, these are much more intuitive than just saying the current inflation rate is X percent. Be careful with exponential growth. Never trust your intuition about exponential growth rates, because we don't have any. Where possible, try to convert the growth rate into something more intuitive and linear with a time frame. Mate, can I just say, imagine being Albert Einstein, one of the, like, have you, who's achieved more, yourself or Albert Einstein? Albert. All of us ask that question, and I'm pretty sure the answer will be Albert. Yeah. He'd done more for fucking society and <laughs> yeah. humanity than all of us. Yeah. yeah. Probably combined. <laughs> Imagine him telling you compounding returns and interest are the eighth wonder of the world. Mm. Now, imagine being the person that's like, oh, fuck. What's the fucking point of putting 200 bucks aside? In comp- <laughs> What's it going to be worth in fucking when that's I'm 65? That's me, man. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> not believing in compounding or like oh. understanding that concept or thinking that you're smarter than mm. this person being like, there's no point investing, it's a waste of time anyway, or yeah, fuck, like that should just be a smack between the eyes. And even I invest money, get the return, I'm like, I'll, I'll, I'll get it to pay me out monthly. Then I'm like... Bro, but it's not compounding. So at the end of <laughs> the year... Just put it back in, you dickhead. Yeah. You're like... <laughs> Fuck, it just shows you. What are you going to use it for? <laughs> a, how stupid we are. And yeah. B, how we're just like, no, 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 I know better. When Albert Einstein, of all people, is like, here you go, dickheads, I'll give you the answer. Yeah, it's an interesting one, man, because it's so boring. Yes. I think that's the weakness of why we don't do it. Like, yeah, I've sat down and done this stuff and know how rich I could be if I just sat at what I make now mm. and then just carry on and do a few things in terms of like putting money away every, you know, buy a rental here and put it into this term deposit or whatever it is, savings account, interest rate, S&P 500. And like, I'll be sweet. Yeah. But I'm like, nah, fuck that. <laughs> and also, <laughs> but it's like, I'm like, man, you know better. Like we all know better. We all know we better. We have the information. Yeah. These, these sometimes, people, sometimes, sometimes I pay wave my card and I'm like, fuck, I got axed another 17 cents on that again. Yeah, yeah. Like just get your fucking EFPOS card out and, and use the swipey thingy, you know? Yeah. And Pay I'm with like, your central cause, bank. Because in my head, I'm like, oh, that's like twice a day, seven days a week, mm. fucking 50 years of my life. Like, someone's making hundreds of thousands of dollars out of me over that time. Yeah, but to be fair, you got sick ear points. Hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Oh, it's just it's so funny when you see some of these things and you realise you're like, damn it, why do I make my life so hard? Why? I have ma- I have had a conversation with myself, being like, I actually bring it back to my happiness. Like it does not excite me to mm. see a hundred grand turn into a hundred and seven grand and a hundred and seven grand turn into a hundred and fourteen seven hundred or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I've thought about that and th- and thought deeply about it and be like, I think I'd rather live in the risk lane, eh? Yeah. And I think I would rather die knowing that I tried that than fucking just doing the tried and true. Here also, like let's be honest, say you're twenty and you're telling your mum, your mates, 
hey guys, I'm fucking compounding my money through to 60A. Absolutely everyone's going to be like, what if you do it? 59, man. What a fucking idiot. <laughs> what a waste of a life, man. You've got to enjoy it on the way through. <laughs> yeah. You know, like there's absolutely every reason under the sun not to do that. Yeah. And I guess that comes back to one of the earlier ones where you look at it and you're like, well, Warren Buffett did it, you know? Yeah. And uh, Albert's told us what the answer is. Yeah. But like if they died, if they died halfway through their journey, uh, or even if Warren stopped at 65, you know, he wouldn't yeah. have the wealth that he had. And you'd be like, oh, and he would now have the, oh, I knew I should have kept going. Yeah. Uh, and then if Albert didn't achieve the things that he did or understand compounding and failing and whatnot, we wouldn't have those lessons. So, yeah, it, it's a very confusing. But I think that we don't understand exponential growth. I think that's really cool because it means that, A, if we can, we blow our thermostat of what's actually possible. Mm. and it can apply to so many areas of our life, whether it be layering on education, whether it be investing, whether it be, like, fuck it for yourself if you don't want to have investing, do it for your kids, though, okay? They turn five, start putting money aside and let it compound until they're 23 or whatever, and then you're like, holy shit, okay? Now I get it because I did it over 18 years rather than tried it over 18 months, and it seemed mm. boring as shit. But going back to your example, say you turn your 100 grand, using that rule of 70, okay, in seven years' time, it's probably going to be worth 200K, but what if then it's worth 400, then it's worth 800, then it's worth fucking 1.6, yeah. then it's yeah, worth yeah. 3.2. Is it exciting now? Yeah. Of course it is. Yeah, the numbers are pretty cool when you start extrapolating it out over time. Yeah. I think it's a very important thing to make sure that you understand what compound interest is. Well, especially because most people use it against us, you know? 100%. What do you think your mortgage is? There we go. <laughs> well, yeah. like anything is, yeah, you have. it's so crucial to understand. And then you can make the choice whether you want to do it or not, but you must understand it right out for the whole period of your life. Please do not laugh at this because there may be people who think like this as well, but someone sent me a message the other day and their friend told them, they were like, oh, you should get this type of credit card because you only have to pay the minimum on it. It's mean and it's fuck all. And I was like, oh my God. Okay, A, they should not have a credit card, but B, please teach them. And so they thought that when they got their credit card statement, like they brought all the stuff, they put it on the credit card, their statement turned up and it said, the minimum you have to pay is this. Mm. And so in their mind, they were like, oh, fuck, this is sick. They just let me pay it off at like this rate. This is epic. So it's all interest. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, oh, oh, shit. Man, that's harsh. Right, into the next one. So they're going to learn the uh, the power of compounding. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. they're going to learn it the wrong way around. Yeah. Last one. Barnum Effect. For you, the viewer, you may find it surprising that I know you. You have a great need for other people to like and admire you. At times, you have serious doubts as to whether you made the right decision. You pride yourself as an independent thinker. At times, you're extroverted, affable, and sociable, while at other times, you're introverted, wary, and reserved. So was I close to describing your personality? Bertrand Fora in 1948 conducted an experiment whereby people were given the same text of generalized statements found in astrology magazines. He then told each participant that he had personally written the statement just for them. 86% found that the text was an accurate description of their personality. This is the Barnum effect, when we easily attribute our personalities to vague and generalized statements, even if they can apply to a wide range of people. The next time you remark, oh my god, that is so me, when reading your horoscope or doing an online quiz on what type of spirit animal you are, just remember that people are easily fooled by horoscopes, palm reading, and psychics due to the Barnum effect. Holy shit. 86%. 86%. That shows us how easy it is to trick us, eh? Yeah. Wow. And how much we love ourselves. Like, imagine it, it's probably not even true if, you know, and you're like, yeah, that's definitely me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, eh? Yeah, yeah like, uh, you're a loving, caring guy who wants the best for others. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly me. Then I'm in the gym, like, fuck that guy, man, that's in my way. <laughs> Get out of my way. <laughs> Is that, uh, is that accurate? Yeah, yeah, we love to think a lot of ourselves, eh? Human nature. Well, mm. that's a goodie. I guess that's important for, you know, doing like personality profiling and stuff and also reading horoscopes and 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 putting too much um, reliance on those things. And mm. people probably using this against you as well. Like I think often people will, you can give like very vague statements. I've seen people in my life, mate, close to me um, that have, Fuck, man, they're just down the rabbit hole of psychics and all this sort of stuff. And the statements are so general and generic that, have you had this before when they're telling you what happened and yeah, you're like, yeah, yeah. oh, well, like, really? Oh, and you can't <laughs> quiz them on it because they're so brought into it that yeah. oh, it was like specific to me. And how could they have known this? And you're like, it's a general statement, but mm-hmm. they can't see that it's a general statement. And you're like, 
What is happening? Am I in a fucking sold so good on it. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, yeah, we all do it. It's uh, it's definitely, the data suggests, obviously, that 86% of people are, are going to cop that. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, one of the best things that serves me is, like, zooming out to the whole world, there's 8 billion people, zooming out to time, yeah, thousands and billions of years, like, I, I just, me, I don't matter. Fuck. Yeah. Like, I literally don't. Like why? Why do you care so much about yourself? <laughs> it's been real helpful for me, and I still hold like certain values in terms of like, I think I should be nice to people and have manners and all the basics. But really, in the scheme of things, I'm a fucking. You're just piece a data of, point, mate. Piece of dust, mate. Yeah, you're just a you're just a number on the um on the node of uh, CBDCs. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that's that's true, mate. <laughs> I, I was, actually I forgot about this with exponential growth. This is um something that I learned. It's sort of part of this is that when we moved on to networks, like things became exponentially possible, but mm. a lot of our thinking didn't. So what that means is that basically, say you sold a course and you sold it on a digital, oh, sorry, on a cassette. Mm. and you had to go around and you would knock on the door and you would sell it to people and that's how they'd buy it. They'd pay you money, you'd take the money, you'd put it in your bank, you'd carry on. That was your job and you were like, fuck, I've maybe got how many doors are there that I can, that I can knock on? How many tapes can I create? And so that, that were your limitation effectively. And then the internet came along. Imagine some of the people that were really successful back in the day before the internet, before abundance, before the network effect. Imagine they must be like, fuck, give me a turn in that, man. Yeah, man. And now you take the same course and you're like, right, you can not only sell it in New Zealand, but you can sell it in Australia, America. You can put it online all within 48 hours and we can show you how to get the traffic yeah, to it. it's insane, eh? Bang. Like, that's exponential shit. Yeah. And we have had the gift of that in our lifetime, but I think a lot of us just have not understood that and and we'll go through and we'll never truly understand the impact of that yeah i mean we were just talking about qr codes before right like yeah i feel like kiwis especially don't have an uptake on Mm. this modern way of doing things compared to a lot of other places in the world but yeah it's crazy man like it's almost like it's it's what they're saying here like we're not naturally we don't have the ability to understand exponential so you have to use other forms of calculation to try and help yourself understand it. Imagine if when we die, someone makes us sit down and rewatch our life and they just strip out the parts and they go, oh, just going to show you the point here where we tested you and you went down the wrong path. And now going to show you what your life would have looked like if you went down that path. (laughs) (laughs) That's quite brutal, eh? Fuck yeah. I'll be like, yeah, I do want to go now. Yeah. (laughs) I'll be like, sorry, how many episodes did you say there were? (laughs) You're, you're, there for, you're there for three days and you're like, okay, now we're taking you back to 2005 when you went to Harvey Norman. And I'm like, oh, I know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're going to show you what would have happened if you didn't get the cue card. Oh, okay. You're like, oh, man. Hey, mate, whose is that house? Oh, that's me coming out of that house. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, that would be Shit. brutal, eh? Yeah, that would, would be savage. And they'd be like, right, now you have the option to go back to the start of your life and remake some of these decisions. Would you like to do it? I'd be like... Gone. <laughs> right, yeah, we hope you've enjoyed that. It's been entertaining and also insightful. Like I said at the top, before you leave a five-star review, you might want to place a reminder of yourself that you haven't left a five-star review, and that's an important thing to do. But the other <laughs> reminder is that you need to go back and listen to these, firstly and secondly, uh, because there is a lot of information in them. And if you want to find them on YouTube, 21 Mind Traps, The Ultimate Guide to Your Most Common Thinking Errors, Part 2. Go well, and we'll see you on the next episode of Keep the Change.